I got a feeling that this podcast is gonna be all right. All right is a good (laughs) word. That's a good qualifier. Uh, Welcome in, everybody. Season four, episode six, and uh, we're we're really rolling into it. We're uh, we uh. It's been a weird season so far, listening-wise, I think. We've had a couple gems and a couple un- yeah. un-gems. I would call them un-gems. I think, I think yeah. that's the, the correct term here. Uh, but we should, uh, we should tell everybody that uh, we have a, a special, special guest with us. Uh, those, that is correct. Those who uh, have been uh, listening since the beginning will have remembered. Whoa, hey, not special. My mom had me tested. Oh, my God. A special human. A great guy. Tyler is here. All right. Okay. I feel like you're anyone who listened to season one is aware that that you are over flattering. Well, he's a guest now. he's, yeah. he's no longer That's just true. a host. If, so I have to I have to butter him up a little bit. If anything, he okay. if anything, he's under flattering. Oh, great. That's... Okay. All right. <laughs> and we are doing some fun stuff today. But before we get started on the artists, I'll do the housekeeping. Hey, you. Do you like this podcast? Do you have fingers? Do you have the ability to share that you like this podcast? If so, you fit squarely into our people who should share that they like this podcast group. That seems that seems really dis- well done. That seems really discriminatory to any of our listeners who've lost their hands. No, but I'm saying if they can share the the podcast and liking the podcast, they should tell everybody. Yeah, but why? why did they f- like the podcast? But only tell them with your fingers. Yeah, why? why is kind of what you said. Why did Why did fingers have to come up at all? I mean, yeah, I do. Ha- I do hate to take Tyler's side here, but yeah, yeah he's right. Uh, do uh, you like our podcast? Apparently, totem. Do you exist as a human being? If so, share that you like our podcast. Perfect. I love that. Okay. Remember, Perfect. remember, our podcast is exclusive to listeners with full sets of phalanges. I did not say full sets. You give me missing a pinky or two. If you're, fine. if you're, That's if true. you're missing a single digit, Platt does Platt. not. Platt does not respect Platrick. you as a human being. Don't tell people my secret nickname. <laughs> That's off the air, man. Oh my Nobody God. calls me Platt in public. Uh, but everyone will call you Platt in public. <laughs> I just go to a gig. They're like Platt. That's they don't cheer. They uh, don't do that. We're no, no. more no, like they'll happen. calmly sip their beer and go, "Oh, Platt." I'm making signs and right. I'm making signs and t-shirts. Perfect. No, we can establish people don't really buy them that much. Great, Great point. <laughs> no, nah, but when they're given out for free. Oh, there you go. Yeah, just eat that cost. Yeah, I'll take the financial. You would for the joke, and yeah. I, I appreciate. I would that. take the financial hit for that. <sighs> Nick. Yeah, we're doing three artists. I got it. Uh, so we're starting things off today with the Black Eyed Peas. If you couldn't uh, guess by my wonderful yeah. intro. And then we're moving right along to Rye Cooter. And then we're finishing things up with The Chicks. What's wrong, Pat? Was it something I said? Nope. Okay. <sighs> Tell us about the Black Eyed Peas then. I will. So Black Eyed Peas, also known as The Black Eyed Peas, because there's a distinction there, I guess. Uh, They are an American musical group, is what it says, consisting of Will I Am, Apple to App, and Taboo, and currently singer J. Ray Soul. Mm. But we'll be talking about another famous singer that they had in the band. Right, right, right. At some point. Uh, So they were like, they started off as an alt hip hop group, then became kind of a pop rap act. And yeah, that's, that's it. 
and they've been active since 1995 till the present day. Right. Whew, and that's what I got. Now, Nick, do you want to go first about Black Eyed Peas? I, I think you want me to, so I will. I do. Uh, and I'd too. like to make my opening statement about the Black Eyed Peas and their first album, Behind the Front. Objection? Uh, go ahead. I don't have one. I just wanted to say objection because okay. you said opening statement. It's feel like we were right. in a courtroom there for a minute. Yeah, I understand. Absta- uh, I want to make my opening statement. Thank you. Um, by quoting the character Robert California from The Office. Perfect. I'm so tired of the Black Eyed Peas. It's rock and roll for people who don't like rock and roll. It's rap for people who don't like rap. It's pop for people who don't like pop. It's essentially the worst of all worlds. Um, And that is a very popular conception of most of their popular work. Uh, And I think it often is applicable to their work. However, this first album... Which doesn't we, try to be which we forgot to, to tell everybody because I forgot. Well, I said it was behind the front. I know, but I forgot I, to I tell everybody. That's that's. Yeah, but that's okay. I would I, I I would argue that this that this first album behind the front is wildly forgettable. Okay, fair enough. Sure, but but I think that might like be said, the best compliment yeah. for the Black Eyed Peas. Right, exactly. So while they're usually trying to be everything to everyone and end up being not you know nothing to anyone. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say album nothing it, to no one, and I was going to yeah, no, call no, you no, out, Mr. English Teacher. No. Um, this album at least knows that it wants to be a rap album in the 90s. Like, it's not trying to also be pop and, like, sort of flavored with rock to try to catch some segment of that audience as well. Like, it just knows that it's a very chill 90s hip-hop album, uh, and that's what it is. And for that, I think it, it helps. Like, did I love it? No. Will I listen to it again? No. But was I actively offended by each song? No. I think it made sense in the genre that it was. I think it benefited from uh, still being in the style of rap where a lot of organic instrumentation is still used. There were good bass lines uh, being played on this record for sure. Uh, At one point uh, on the song Karma, they just decided... uh, that they were going to start singing One Way or Another by Blondie. Which I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did that. Um, yeah. but uh, It's at called the end of the sampling, day, like, <laughs> I guess. Right, exactly. Um, better than expected, just because they didn't, you know, sound like I thought they were going to sound. Average hip-hop album of its era, but not bad. All right, Tyler, how do you follow that up? Yeah, you know, I would say um, the the genre of pop is short for popular music and they definitely weren't trying to be pop yeah no (laughs) it just it i don't know it just sounded like background in an early 90s michael bay movie in nothing nothing that was so terrible i would tell you to turn it off but nothing so great that i would tell you to turn it up either i you know like i said before wildly forgettable very of its time and not even in like a complimentary way of its time. I, I think given everything else from the genre that was coming out in the 90s, yeah, it, it, it's not surprising to me that I didn't recognize a single one of these. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll tell you two things that I noticed about this album. Uh, this album kept stopping me from forgetting about every song on the album. It did that twice. It did that with Karma because... You know, monkey brain go, oh, Debbie Harry. Right. Oh, Black Black Eyed Peas are singing Blondie. Right. 
uh, in Karma, so I was immediately pulled back into an album I had pretty much mentally checked out from. In a sure. good way, though, because like you said, it, wasn't it was super standard mm-hmm. hip-hop for the 90s. It's, it was extremely standard. Um, another thing uh, was Macy Gray and Love Won't Wait. I love Macy Gray's voice. I knew it was Macy Gray the second I heard her voice. And uh, yeah, just really interested. And then uh, the only other thing that I didn't notice when I listened to the album, obviously, but reading through the the liner notes, uh, one of the songs, Be Free, was written by somebody who shares the name of one of my childhood friends, Tim Stahl. Fascinating. And Maybe it was him. It was, yeah, it was, I, his, it, it was the same. Maybe as a child, he co-wrote these songs. Would make sense, but I'm going to say probably not. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I mean, seriously, it's not bad. But also, it if you... I, I would be surprised, but if you are a person who really enjoys listening to Black Eyed Peas, like, since they got famous... Oh, yeah. Don't... You're not gonna... You're gonna be like, yeah, what this am is... I listening to? This is weird. Sure. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even know that this album was the Black Eyed Peas. Right. Right. I mean, but I I also... I'd say, if you're someone who is into this genre of music, there are, are way better things out there that you could be listening to. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, right. so I'll take us into... Move us along, Patrick. ...to Monkey Business, uh, which came out in 2005, and this is... I'm sorry, why are we going into Monkey Business? On the sheet that you gave me, you told me that the second album was Ella Funk. Did I? Yes. Was it Ella Funk? Remember we had a conversation about which one to do? Yeah, and we I said don't it was going to be Monkey Business because they both sold like nine million worldwide or yeah, something like that's, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, I believe yeah. you. Yeah. Tyler, I but believe you like, entirely. Oh, I, I believe him too, but isn't it just so appropriate? Yeah. That's, I, wish, I, wish, like, I wish I could say that I did it on purpose I know. because it was Tyler, but uh, that's a nice homage to, to Tyler being back on the podcast. Can I Isn't just it? can I just do a brief summary of my feelings towards Of course you can. Ella yeah, Funk. Absolutely. Do it. You go. All right. So, <clears throat> I'll give a little bit more than I usually do because I was the only one that listened to this one. So, brief little history. Take yourself back to the year 2003. That's about as far as I'm going to go into discussing that that year. Oh, I thought um, you meant that album. That would have been <laughs> so funny. 2003. Patrick, go ahead. Yeah. Um this is much more uh, what you'd expect yeah. when when hearing Black Eyed Peas. Um, I mean, that said, it's 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 not it's it's I, again. I I don't I don't dislike it. I I think the addition of Fergie definitely right, and this is elevated them. We brought in Fergie. Yeah, this is something that elevated them, so they're no longer forgettable. But at the same time, like, I mean, she's got a really, really good voice. And then she just kind of keeps getting interrupted by nonsense. <laughs> um, some of the standout ones on this, I mean, probably the, the biggest one that you remember is uh, Let's Get Retarded. If, yeah. if, if this, you know, if you were listening to, to pop music at the time, which just kind of um, tells you everything about it. Yeah. It, that, sure. you know. The, the, my, my issue with the black eyed peas and is very much an issue I have with, with kind of this hip hop pop 
from the early 2000s is it is an awful lot of just repeating the same thing over and over again and not really saying anything kind of like i think i think probably the biggest example of that would be will smith's getting jiggy with it where he literally just repeats getting jiggy with it throughout the entire song that's pretty high praise for the black eyed yeah i i I, and and like you know it's it's also just like that cushy safe music that doesn't really try to comment on anything and when it does it doesn't really offer up a solution there's a song on here that i distinctly remember listening listening to a lot because i i used to collect uh now that's what i call music cds okay i mean my dad used to like dj birthday parties and stuff so okay this is now now more allowable Yeah, so so he I'm just a big fan, okay? So he so you know, he was always getting those albums and to me that was sort of like I, I was kind of naive. I was I was I was like that's my window into into what people are listening to. So I I I'd, I'd yet to really develop my own personal taste. Well, that's not true. I was very much a Weird Al Yankovic fan. I had collected all of his albums and even saw him live in concert twice but um as far as music that your your casual everyday listener would listen to um so i distinctly remember their where is the love song yes that that was the big one from that that was really popular from this album and like listen to justin timberlake and well i don't i don't don't think he was in this version yeah he was in the yeah he he sings on the chorus well that's very odd that they didn't decide to put any kind of information on the track listing that he was there um but <laughs> the song is like it it almost it's, a, it's on the track listing not in the not in apple music just in wiki uh, okay it's almost making a statement yeah but falls short of giving any kind of solution it sure it just talks about oh there's terrible awful stuff that's going on in the world where's the love and and it just repeats it. So like when you first hear it, you're like, oh, what a really great song about making the world a better place. And you're like, oh, no, they're just stating the obvious and, and giving nothing. <laughs> I will say two things about Ella Funk. Uh, one, I would say their biggest like edgy moment of this album is track three, which Tyler has already mentioned. And immediately when they release it as a single, they change the title to Let's Get It Started, which for more approachability. One of the only cases in the history of music where the edited version of the lyrics is are better. actually much 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 better yes and, and so much that better. is definitely the version of the song you've heard however uh-huh. yeah it originated as let's get retarded for some stupid reason that yeah uh, for some the, reason that was much more acceptable than the other quick thing because i'll go into well that's the thing though it it wasn't acceptable even when even they then. did it and like yeah, it, sure. it you know that word had already kind of become pretty much pretty much exclusive to to young kids and teenagers to right. insult each other it was not something sure. that you know you you'd see on television and whatnot. Mm-hmm. retarded okay. yeah it's to slow a retardando i don't think that's, that anyone Slightly different. I don't think it, that. Of course, it's slightly different. No one, no one who is or ever was a member of the Black Eyed Peas knows oh, enough about music to be not. able to use that as an excuse. Not a chance. However, okay. The quick other thing I'll say is Robert Criscow gave one of his very prototypical 
scathing appreciations to this album, who he said, this group remains unbelievable, but in pop, that's just one more aesthetic nuance, and stated in which the unbelievable dull LA alt rappers fabricate the actual brightest rap album of 2003. So he enjoyed it and went, you guys suck, but happened to make a good album. And I'll take us into monkey business real quick. (sighs) Okay. Fergie's in here. Um, it's it's an improvement in the vocal. It's an improvement in the vocal. And that's it. Uh, everything else sucks. Uh, this is the Black Eyed Peas that we know. It's It feels super like approaching the average to try to sell albums. Especially knowing that they came from like an actual underground hip hop. And then kind of blew up with Ella Funk and blew up with Monkey Business by switching over to pop. I will say there's more songs here that are enjoyable in moments. Uh, Whereas the first album was kind of, I won't even necessarily say pleasantly forgettable, but forgettable and not offensive. This album has very high peaks where they're like pulling different classical influences at parts and really different like theatrical moments. And then it has like my humps. Which is just the basement of music. Oh, it's so bad. So, like, there are moments, though, on this album that are, like, surprisingly better than you would think. I it, like, like, it's hard to, it's hard to really give them too much credit because it's, it's not good. Yeah, I'll tell you what song, I, I thought it. one song was Pump good. Pump It has uh, Miserloo. Miserloo. Miserloo, yeah. uh, Dick Dale's Miserloo, which yep. we've done other covers of. Sure. Yeah, I'll tell you what I actually liked. I liked one song on this album, like, genuinely liked. Not just okay. like, okay, that wasn't too bad. Gone Going, because it was yes. co-written and sung by Jack Johnson. And that was what was good about it, because I like Jack Johnson. Yes. Um, but everything else I agree with. There's some really awful bargain basement stuff in there. And then there's some things that are okay. I will say there are some big featurings on this, though. James Brown was featured in They Don't Want Music. You're right. Sting was featured in Union. Another Justin Timberlake. Then, of course, you have Like That, which features Q-Tip, Tlaib Quell, and then CeeLo Green and John Legend. So It's a lot of people. Which also, just for reference, and I'll say this as we're going into translation, like everyone in the group is writing, but there are several co-writers on every song as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And even more co-writers on this, the last album, which is Translation. Uh, And it was called Translation, I guess, because they tried to incorporate a lot of Spanish into the lyrics. I'm I'm thinking because there was a lot of Spanglish essentially throughout all these songs that they called a translation. I don't know. Well, here's what I can tell you for one thing. It was it was pretty common knowledge, like in this music scene, that Spanish music was exploding in late 2019 and 2020. Mm. Um, okay, and we've so already kind of establ- established that with like Camila Cabello, Camila Cabello, and like artists like that who are releasing albums in that t- kind of Latin influence. And mm. Black Eyed Peas were like, "Oh, we can do that, I guess." Yeah, you know. All right, the group of us who have sure. barely a Latin bone in anybody ever, we can just release a Latin music album. And well, now, go ahead and continue. Uh, okay, I'll just read straight through my notes. Uh, Everything people hate about them with no remaining redeeming qualities. Pure garbage. The only part I enjoyed was deciphering the Spanish, because even 
when they were speaking Spanish, they still only used three words for the entire song, so I was able to pick up what they were saying. Yeah, My Spanish go. is not very good, but I was able to understand that. Uh, it was all can sounds and auto-tune. Nothing sounds real, and half of it was just so boilerplate that it actually sounded plagiarized like it must have been from other songs because <laughs> it all just sounded so familiar. It was okay. it was the worst album. It was terrible. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you. Yeah, it was, I, I mean... Not to not to totally piggyback off of what Nick said, but it is again kind of like how I felt about their first album. All the sound is very generic of the time sounds. It's like you listen to this album and you're like, yeah, I could hear that in the background while I was out with a bunch of friends somewhere. But I wouldn't hear it and go, oh, it's the Black Eyed Peas. I love the Black Eyed Peas. Right. You, you know, it, 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 you get and, – and oh, there, is, there is so many cooks in the kitchen here. I was about to say literally reading the, the and, group of writers is like a chapter novel. And it it's really and it, and it really mm-hmm. kind of just like goes to show like when you really just kind of like follow the Black Eyed Peas as a group. They do not have a voice and they do not have a sound. They have like a sort of genre. I'd say probably like the hip hop rap genre that they like. And then they just follow whatever the current yeah. trend of that genre is doing. Which is and ridiculous. I mean, I think they would be brilliant if they worked like on television Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone's like, oh, well, I really want to use that song Despacito, but we can't get the rights to it. Can you guys make a song <laughs> that, that sounds just, just sounds like just like Despacito for this yeah. for this moment? It's like because that, that's like like listening to it. It's like, I, you know, all of this I have heard someone else do a rendition of. Right. And their rendition was like, was better. you know, the originator of that style <clears throat> kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you know it, it. It seems like it. I don't know. I I hate to pass too much judgment without knowing them as people, but it's it's, it's it, rough. it really seems like this is this is just a a business and a market for them, mm-hmm. and there's really no heart and soul that's going into any of it. All and right. and like and like Nick said, like even when they're using Spanish, they're so repetitive with the stuff that they're saying. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, I will be quick. Uh, because I agree with everything you're saying. I, I will give you uh, a, an anecdote and then my positive. Because I agree with all of your negatives. Uh, so I'm not going to repeat them. Repetitive, awful, dumb, great it. You said you were going to make it quick. I am making it quick. Okay. The one thing that I really liked about this album is they replaced Fergie with uh, an artist called J. Ray Soul. And I really appreciate her vocals on this. She's a strong female singer. Um, I really appreciated it. The music still sucks, but she was kind of the bright spot. She wasn't on every song, which was a problem for me because I think she's a better singer than Shakira, who was featured on this album. Um, but just throwing that out there, like J. Ray Soul was my only real highlight. And then I think we may have a winner for most writers on a song because oh God, Feel yeah. the Beat has 15 writers on it. Each one of them wrote one word. Right. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> there's 15. I think 15 
yeah, has I think to be the most. Record. I know we I ran into right. a lot with Selena Gomez and a lot with Sam Smith's last album. Yeah, but most of that I, was like eight, yeah, seven, eight at, at most. Yeah, that's crazy. And like, and like, at what point are you so insecure that you need to take credit for you know when somebody sits down and writes a song and it's like oh, you know what you know at what that point you should credit. I think I don't think it's insecurity. I think it's like I want my it's piece money. of this yeah. money. Yeah. So I'm on this percentage. as a writer. Give me my money. Remember when you were writing that song? You said you need to rhyme for your, and I said sure. I at least jot my name that's down. 2%. As, as, yeah. <laughs> that's two percent. Yeah, two percent. All right, All right let's, let's grade them. Let's grade them. Uh, All right, cultural impact is. Let's just get this out of the way. Like this score is going to be the like one of their strongest areas for sure. Sure, they are a um, they are very known. yeah whether they're well known group. Yeah, whether they're being lampooned or loved, that their cultural impact is high. Yeah, and they've sold I mean, honestly, an estimated eighty million records. Right. Well, I saw thirty-five million records and like a hundred and twenty million singles. Okay. So. Well, I'm just reading on off the yeah. their actual page, so. Sure. I'm sure. Well, are you telling me that Wikipedia has conflicting information? I believe it or not, I am telling you. Either that. way, they're anyway, one of the best-selling groups of all time. Yeah, I'm. I'm in a similar place. Um, maybe a little higher than Nickelback, but in a similar place because they're just constantly being brought up for how much they're hated or like yeah. lampooned or being made fun of. Like they are often the butt of musical jokes. Yes, but at the same time, uh, they have sold more than Nickelback. And Imagine Dragons. Mm-hmm. You're right. So I think they should be a little bit higher. And, and also, okay this that. is a group who has made, like, 2000s end-of-the-decade artists. Like, they placed 12th on Billboard's uh, mm-hmm. decade artists, 7th on the Hot 100 artists of the decade. Like, sure. Even though, like, they're kind of lampooned and made fun of, there was a time mm-hmm. when they were on fire in the 2000s. Totally. Oh, well, yeah, because in the early days of the internet, people didn't really know what it meant when you were liking something ironically. So yeah. they were constantly getting booked on television shows and songs being sure, used in Sure, but I mean, some other stuff. Like, you know, they won three awards. They won three Grammys in one year. They played a Super Bowl halftime show. Sure. So, like, there's a lot of, a Look, lot of stuff here. I'm ready I'm, to give them a seven and a half and move on. I think a seven and a half works. It, it's okay. It's a high score, but they earned it. Yes. Yeah. And but then breadth of work is the same thing. There's eight studio albums, and they have like a ton in sales. Unfortunately, the music really suffers because the music is not good. Sure, but to defend them in a few different places here, as weird as that is for me to be defend, I, I yeah. didn't know I was. I didn't go into this episode thinking I'm gonna have to defend the Black Eyed Peas because I didn't like them. But I think the first album was a good album. Like, I wouldn't take anything away from them for the first album. It was a solid C. And I think the second album we listened to, Monkey Business, I wouldn't take anything away from them because I think that there were songs that I would add for because I really enjoyed some of the some of the instrumentation okay. and then some that I would absolutely take away for. But that kind of is a yeah. wash for me. The okay. last album, I would, put that I would at like take a away. C minus, D plus. And the last album is a straight F. Yeah. Minus J. Ray Soul. I'm just going to repeat that one more time. J. Sure. Ray Soul was the highlight. The so- she didn't save the songs. songs no, absolutely not. But it makes me interested uh, to listen to J. Ray Soul. Okay. But the breadth of work, I mean, it's still going to be above average because of all the sales, obviously, even yeah. if we're taking away because the music wasn't good. It's still got to be in the sixes, I would assume, for the amount of sales. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, like a and six, too. And that makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, a low six and, score. And this is where things start to take a downturn for me because yes. aside from the... Yeah, I mean, like... 
Yes, Fergie could sing. Yes, J. Russell can sing. Not They're the not national utilized anthem. all. Yeah. Oh God, she was terrible at that. Um, they weren't particularly utilized um, all the time. You know, it's not like they're just singing straight through all the songs. Everything else is mostly just average or not great. Uh, yes, this is a very low score for me. Uh, okay. I, I think I, all things considered... Honestly, I thought the musicianship on the first album right. in terms of the music behind them was the best. And once they uh, got popular... It became I much think less leaving, interesting. I think the, leaving the, the original instruments behind and poorly utilizing Fergie and J. Ray Soul and anybody that may have been in the middle of that. Yeah. I think the highest I can go is like a three. Done. Not yeah. arguing with you. Songwriting talent. Okay. Ready? Here's the credit. They tried a bunch of different genres. Here's <laughs> yeah. the negative. They needed 27,000 co-writers to do it, and the songs were mostly bad. Yes, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, however, I, I'll let it balance a little bit on the fact yeah, that they tried different genres. They did but it's try still not different a good genres, script. and they did, they were included in the writers, which is not you something know, that correct. happens a lot. Yeah, but you know, correct. You, you know, to say, yeah, that, we're not bargain basement. To say that they tried different genres, I, I don't, I don't want to insult any hip hop rap fans out there, but. They did they not don't listen to this. They Fine. did not yeah. stray that far. No, they sure. just tried uh, to go no. from hip hop to uh, regular old pop to you know yeah, like but whatever I, I, was I popular don't, like Latin pop. Yeah, but but like it's, I don't I don't think that that was like a big a big stretch to even give them not. credit for that. I no. mean, if 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 they pumped out like seven or eight country albums, then a rock it and was, roll album, well, that would be right, then look, classical. Very Tyler, we are literally just trying to give them enough credit to like hang out around three again. Yeah, yeah, but I, think I, I that's all we're doing. I don't know, but I don't even think. Here's what I'll say: the the difference in genre was different enough that I wished they didn't do it. Which may, which sure. means to me that they at least attempted something different. Yeah, I yeah, but I'm, was it? But was it even them? My we, ceiling when, is a three. Because when you think when you yeah, think about, I'm gonna say three. When, when you think about who the core members of the Black Eyed Peas are, I kind of feel like they just continued to do the same thing while the <laughs> well, musicians the, sure. yeah, and writers yeah. around them did other stuff. I mean, Can you imagine? Hold on, real that quick. Makes that makes sense. A that's, thought experiment. Actually, I mean, just like as soon as as soon as you Can start you to as soon as that? you start to hear Fergie, like you start yeah. to hear Fergie, you go, "Oh, what is this that they're trying to do now?" And then Apple the app comes in, and he's just doing the same thing he did on the previous album, like. All they're doing is the what thing. they know how to do while everyone else tries to come up with a new sound. I don't think um, we have to talk too much about the poetic talent here. Yeah, no. Um, um, I'm going to... It gets progressively worse. It gets they are progressively the worse. They are, they are really good at rhyming a word with the same word. <laughs> that is impressive. I'd be willing to to be in like the higher ones. The higher ones. Because you must really at least like on them. the first couple of albums, they try to have more than one word in each song. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that's the, it. The '90s, and I think stuff. the part that they're actually like they're definitely writing the lyrics. Yeah, I don't know what hand they have. I think Tyler made a good point about like how much hand they have in the music behind it. They're yeah. at least writing the words. They're not right. somebody. Let's else give them a one point nine and be Done. super generous. Uh, and now the X factor here. I'm gonna be honest. I feel like it's maybe not zero. Okay. Um, what, what's uh, the thing you want to include? 
Uh, I think there's some some stuff here. I mean, they were an absolute fad in the 2000s. That you know that all decade lists that they were on, um, sure. they were on multiples of them. Uh, they're one of the highest selling acts that we've done, which is just terrifying to think about. <sighs> they're the highest selling act we've done this season, which is okay. and Fergie has been in movies. Fergie has been in movies and was married to Josh Demel. Um, Oh, a football player. No, an actor. An actor, for sure. Yeah, but he played football in college. Did he? I can't say that he didn't. Uh, they enough. performed the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Okay. Uh, they performed the closing ceremony at the 2019 Southeast Asian Games in the Philippines. Fascinating. You don't have to X-factor that, but like, what? That's yeah. just okay. very surprising well, to and me. I, and I bet when what they do got want? down there, Half they... Point? I was actually just thinking, like, like even like a point two for the Super Bowl halftime show. That's Done. something that not a okay. lot of people do. Only like fifty five people. Yeah, have but that's done something that. that not a lot of people True. watch or even care about. <laughs> All right, enough. Everybody, stop talking. We're moving on to Rye Cooter. Ryland Peter Cooter, also known as Rye Cooter. Stop laughing. It's the man's I'm not name. Laughing. I'm not laughing. Nick, I watched you. I watched you give your cheeky little smile. Anyway, Rye Cooter is an American musician, songwriter, film score composer, record producer, and writer. So he's been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, He's also been active since 1967. Uh, The man is 74 years old, still active today, doing his thing. And uh, we went over three albums. Album number one, Thank You, Mr. Cooter. For having an eponymous debut album. Yeah. Because you, sir, are keeping the streak alive. That's right. Uh, this was and actually, this was released in 1970. But this was actually confusing to me because I have a whole bunch of albums that were also released in 1970 that all appear before that one. At least on Apple Music, they do. I've yeah, got, that's just Apple Music not knowing how yeah, to they categorize just, they stuff. Just, this one came out, it was, it was first. Older yeah. artists from Apple, they just don't care. Um, uh, we also followed that up with Paradise and Lunch from 1974. And then, you know, just a quick couple years later in 2018, we did The Prodigal Son. Yes, yes. we did. The three of us made that album in 2018. We did. We did. Congratulations, everybody. Uh, I, right. I guess I'll, one you, I'll go first Michael real quick. I'll, okay. uh, I'll, I'll jump in for the moment. <sighs> Here's a couple things to note. These are cover songs, for the most part. And Rye Cooter is a good guitarist who, when I say can't sing, I want to be clear. Not can't sing in an endearing way on this album. Can't sing like, hey, maybe this should have been an instrumental album. Like, it's really bad vocals. It's almost like he's kind of, it's almost like maybe he was just playing along and like singing, like speak singing the words, so he knew where he was in the music, and the producer just held a mic up to him, <laughs> like he's like, well, so, uh, you know, I'm French and I'm singing in the French chant, like that, like it was that, it was bad, it was bad. Uh, getting past that was okay. The guitar work, I've known who Ry Cooter was, and I've known him as a guitar player, so I expect a little more there. Didn't get a ton here. All in all, like, super disappointing album for me. All covers, terrible vocals. The one thing I knew about him was guitar, and that wasn't that good. So, boom, done. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> go ahead, Tyler, I'll let you go. 
I mean, I I think it does sort of invoke some some sounds of of you know the deep south. Sure, I mean it's a super roots rock uh, country yeah, blues and it, album. And, and I think you know. I don't know. To me, he kind of seems, you know, like the better Johnny Cash. Okay. Now you're just being All right. okay. purposely divisive, turn, and I hate turn you. Turn revoked. Turn revoked. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. No, 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 no. Nick, go. Uh, I agree with you. It probably should have been instrumental. Uh, yeah. Although the only piece that he wrote on this was instrumental, which was good, I guess. Yeah. Um, my other highlight is One Meatball because it was just hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if it was the song that was hilarious or how bad he was at singing it it's or both. both, but it was really funny. Um, and most everything else besides the singing was pretty average, and there were a few nice guitar moments, but not nearly as many as I was expecting from someone who is like known, considered so highly for the yeah. guitar. Like the only reason I knew the name to put it on the list was because of you know his prowess as a guitarist. Yeah, this is this is probably going to sound like an attack on on you guys but the whole time listening to it to me kind of just sounded like a really 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 low budget kind of like cover band that you might hear in a bar oh i would assume that our album is significantly higher quality than this one no 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 no. i didn't mean i didn't mean like in the sense of album i just meant like in the sense of sound okay well thank you for being the worst person you know like if if you guys got hired in Alabama to like go to a bar and like last minute had to learn a bunch of like, you know, southern blues type numbers. I, I will say and you had laryngitis. This does give me a lot of hope because Nick and I have both kind of had our, our slight vocal issues this last, you know, time. Mm-hmm. A lot of hope that we could still do it. Right. We could just keep going, Nick. We could. We don't need it. We don't need, you know, I would like to still be able to sing, but worst comes to worst, um, <laughs> we're fine. Unimportant. We'll just start covering Ry Cooter. Um, uh, Nick, take us into Paradise and Lunch. I would love to. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the second song on this one, Tatler, I thought was a good song. I liked it. I thought it was like by far the best song I had heard up to that point Okay. Uh, on his records. Sure. Uh, and at the end of the day... The dude still can't sing. No, God, no. Um, but otherwise, this one felt like a little bit more on solid ground as just like a standard rock roots adjacent to R&B album, probably because a lot of these are just classic songs of that. Another uh, ilk album. that have been covered. Yeah, I'd say blues um, and soul. Yeah, sure. it's 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 definitely the roots rock. The country aspect is gone. Yeah, there's some Americana, yeah. but not real country. Yeah, but you know, sure. doing this podcast with you guys, I I've really started to have like a like a really interesting perspective on just like country music and blues in general. There is yeah. there is a you know it's it's kind of like difference between rap and hip hop. There there's a lot of there's a lot of I don't want to say similarities because that makes it seem like one is copying another, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a lot of common ground that they fall a lot on. Of the, yeah, and sure. what you're hearing is a lot of similar chords and chord progressions mm-hmm. used. Yeah, a lot of, of blues scales are well, used in country. Almost everything. Which but yeah. uh which almost makes it impossible now for me to to genre music because when I was was younger and knew nothing at all about music, it was very easy for me to go, Oh, that's rap. Oh, that's country. And now it could be shades of gray. Any one of the thousands. Yeah. So thanks for ruining music right. for me. Anytime. 
Uh, this welcome. album, also, I'll just say, more guitar moments than the previous one. Still not enough to justify what I had thought about him. Maybe yeah. that's on some of the other albums. I'm not it saying it doesn't be, exist. Yeah. Like, he could be absolutely phenomenal and out of this world on a lot of other records. I'm just not hearing at that much of it here. Um, except for on Diddy Wah Diddy, which I thought had a very cool, like, guitar-piano battle thing sure. uh, going on, which was probably the most interesting track um, for that reason. Okay. I'll be quick again. Uh, this album is a slightly better version of the first album. Uh, I will say that his voice has... I use the term loosely improved because he's mm-hmm. at least attempting pitches on this album. Like he's yeah. he's he's pitching himself or they're pitching him. Something's happening. And I did like Tattler, which is also the only song he's credited as a writer on. Not the first writer, but a writer. Uh, so good for him on that. Other than that, it's just super traditional sounding... Like, I don't hear any barriers being pushed here. Um, I didn't notice the the interesting guitar in Diddy Wah Diddy just because I think I had just expected more at this point. And we're early. Sure, I actually preferred the piano parts, but it was interesting. That yeah. The dynamic. Sure, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I, again, not a lot to love, love here. I feel like we've heard better artists in this category on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And. I, that's yeah, it's rough. And I don't know, I don't have too much more to add to it, but I, I, I do want to I do want to say like in regards to his voice, like it's not it's not impossible to listen to. I've been to enough karaoke no. nights and, and Well, that's the difference. And he, heard, he's definitely better know, than he's, the average drunk karaoke. He is at artist. least he is at least someone who knows music and knows how to sing. I just feel like his voice isn't mm-hmm. necessarily suited that well for See, it. See, I just feel but, like we've had we've had bad singers. We've had sing- people who just can't sing, but there are things that make it worth listening but to. But they're usually doing their own stuff. Right, and that's what I mean. There's things that make I it think, worth listening to. I think this? the fact that, that you know, I, I think he's someone who, for better or for worse, really loves this genre of music and vocally can't really go where he needs to go for it. Right. But to give him at least some credit and some respect, like this is what he loves and this is what he's going to do. Sure. I mean, it's no different than, than you know, listening to your mom sing along to her favorite thing on the radio and just going, oh, my God, like her voice is awful, but you got to respect that she's enjoying herself. You Have know? you thought that? Have you heard? Somebody- about About your mother, yes. Hey, my mother has a beautiful voice. <laughs> no, but I just I I don't I don't want to I don't want to give our listeners the impression like like if you try to listen to this guy it's it's just nails on a chalkboard like it it it's very no, it's 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 very like if you love country soul blues you know that genre of music you know you will enjoy listening to him sing. I mean, yes, yeah. these are covers. They're not necessarily the most standout versions of these songs. Well, and that, so what you, but it, it's not like, you know, I know we keep harping on his voice because you guys are music professionals, but I, it, it's just like he's he's not, he. it's not impossible to listen to these songs. Right, but my problem is, so like, a, a, I think a good comparison here is Towns Van Zandt. Towns Van Zandt, had a rough singing voice. I didn't really enjoy it. I think we talked about that ad nauseum in his episode. However, 
what Towns Van Zant brought to the table is if you want to listen to these songs, these are original Towns Van Zant songs. I have to listen to Towns Van Zant sing them because they're Towns Van Zant songs. I can listen to other people sing these songs that probably can sing better if I want to listen to them. And that's kind of where my struggle lies. There's nothing drawing me to Ry Cooter. Well, how did you feel about sure. his last album? I thought one thing was abundantly clear to me. With age, his voice softened. And with time, auto-tune happened. And his voice is a thousand percent vocal processed here. There's no way. It's the best it sounds. And I'm very thankful that it exists. Because the vocal processing on this album made it... Oh, not even just. Are you positive that they used vocal processing? I mean, I don't have an ear for that kind of stuff, but it just doesn't strike me as something that you know someone from this generation would do. Uh, So I'm. I'm, Everybody does it to some extent. Yeah, everybody does it to smooth the vocal, and that's kind of what I'm hearing here because the earlier Raikouter stuff was really kind of gritty and kind of you know absent of cohesive pitch. And he's kind of right on pitch on this album. His vocals are smoother. There's processing done. And I'm not even saying it to be like, meh, heh, heh, heh. I'm saying like, good. Because I think that that helps me stay in the music. And I think that, I mean, this album out of the three is my favorite album. I agree. Uh, that's like, that's what I'm going to say. I do think the one thing that was funny to me is in the track listing on Wikipedia, it says all tracks are written by Rye Cooter and Joachim Cooter. Um, except where noted, and then every track is noted. Yeah, except for and, two of them. Yeah, and <laughs> I, what I love is because like, he does all these covers of like very old songs. We got three separate blind blues musicians: blind yes. Willie Johnson, blind Alfred Reed, and blind Roosevelt Graves. We're all covered on this. Well, there was a time in like the twenties and thirties when if where you were every blind, blues musician was blind. Well, yeah, if you were blind, you had to. Do blues. Is it a chicken or the egg situation? Like, it were is. you blind and handed a guitar, or were you playing guitar until you went blind? <laughs> I don't. Or if were you playing guitar and if you got good enough, they blinded you. That they're like, this is how you get famous, kid. Yeah, yeah. That's right, the noise of someone nice going blind. About this record. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say nice things. Um, I liked the songs the best. I liked mm-hmm. the sound the best. I, the choice of songs, I'll say. Uh, felt like he actually had something to say. Yeah. Um, obviously, like he didn't have something to say through writing them, but it felt like there was this message of him getting older and reflecting, looking back on society, thinking about like. Um, sure. I think there might have been some kind of a political message too, considering like depending on who some of these songs were aimed at, because it turned out, and I went just to check, like the four albums before this, he wrote all the songs and all the lyrics, and they were all like kind of very political. <laughs> And yeah. we just got only albums that he didn't write, like where, and they were all getting like rave reviews, like yes. excellent reviews for all these albums that he wrote in in their entirety. So, like, kind of a shame that we didn't get to hear that with our listening. I'd be very curious. I think this album, if anything, made me more curious uh, about what his own personal writing would be, because I think he at least had a cohesive idea with his covers. Hundred uh, percent. I'm with you on that. Uh, do you have anything to add, Tyler, or would I just want to go in and, and start grading? Oh, I mean, no, I, I I, didn't really have any kind of 
<laughs> negative reactions to his voice on yeah. on any of the albums and i mean in this i i don't i don't know enough about these songs to know a lot of the times if sure. they're his own or if they're just covers so to me this was this was just kind of just like a he was just like a solid kind of deep south country blues type singer sure all right okay. well let's uh let's, let's go on so cultural impact i'm gonna be honest like he's a name because he was known for his guitar playing he's a name because he's played with john lee hooker and captain beefheart eric clapton the rolling stones van morrison neil young linda rodstadt like can you imagine the doobie God. brothers can you imagine? like he's played with so many famous groups uh can you imagine the headline like the on the marquee captain beefheart and rye cooter i love that <laughs> like wowza yeah I mean, that's. I mean, is there something else I'm missing? He doesn't have a hit. He's known for nope. his guitar playing because he's played with a bunch of other famous people. Uh, yeah, you're what, not wrong. What is that in points? Uh, I mean, it's not great. It's not it, great. It's not great. I mean, this is going to be a, an excessively low score, I think, uh, yeah. for for an artist who I think has the legacy. Yeah, he's played with a lot of people. He's right. He's he's firmly implanted, but. He's another one of these artists, artists, and a lot of times when those artists, artists are songwriters or singers, they get known a lot more. Yeah. When those artists, artists are only instrumentalists, they're they don't get as well known. Yeah, I, I'm gonna throw out a score that sure I think is high for Raikou. Go ahead. It's a one point five. That it. I was literally thinking like one. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. We I'll could go, go to like, like a 1.3. We'll, Let's do we'll that. average it out. I, I said I thought that might have been a high score. I just, yeah. I'm trying to give him a little bit of respect for Agreed. the I, names I around totally him. I totally agree. Um, Breath of Work, 17 records. Um, listenable, solid. I'm, yeah. I'm almost like, like, whatever 17 records is, just that's the number. Yeah. Well, nobody, so no, they didn't buy them. Right. Exactly. Um, 17 records is double the average plus three times the average right. almost. I mean, I would probably So that go... would be a 15. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I'm probably like around a six or a low six again. Yeah. I think a six even works here. Nobody yeah. bought them. And unfortunately for Rye, yep. we're going to continue with some issues here. Yeah. Okay. Moving so instrumental, instrumental. Talent, his voice is bad. But here's what here's I want to say. I couldn't square. Okay. So I knew him because Rolling Stone, when they do their top 100 guitarists of all time, Rykuder is ranked eighth. Eighth. He's ranked the eightest, eighth greatest guitar player of all time. Yeah. Gibson did a similar thing. They ranked him the 32nd greatest guitarist of all time. And I will say, I heard a lot promise of on these his... records. Well, and here's but... the one thing we didn't hear that he is very well known for: mm-hmm. slide guitar work. So sure. there has to be a chunk in the middle of him exploring slide guitar and shining at it right or as a guest musician like i'm thinking maybe a lot of these points are coming from the songs he's playing on for the rolling stones or for van morrison or for the doobie brothers or this is one of those artists this is one of those few times typically i'm very heavily leaning towards our our listening sure what we heard this is hard to ignore how highly placed he is. The Agreed. The juxtaposition here doesn't make sense to me. I'm yes. choosing to believe that we just firmly missed the strongest guitar playing. So I'm going to give him the case. that credit. Okay. However, yeah. he also sang. 
Which doesn't help. <laughs> which can't possibly... Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, just as a vocalist, minus the last album, which was clearly vocal processed. So his natural singing voice, I would probably be in, like, the the two-ish range. It sure. was really troubling. And, he, and I think... Well, Rolling Stone and all these other guitar magazines are pl- putting his guitar playing at a 10 so let's yeah. give him a six that's the average of the two I, and ten. I was actually thinking uh, i was thinking like a like a 6.2 because i think even if you give him like the eight plus guitar playing which i'm willing to sure. give the fact that he was so heavily in the vocal range is here like yeah draws it down no i think that that's it's just even in it out uh songwriting talent <laughs> i'm not gonna totally destroy him because uh-huh. we saw again really great reviews for several albums on which he wrote all the music. But there are so many albums of only covers that the formula only gave us those. So yeah. that obviously plays a factor. So he he's not yeah. writing very much. He's not writing very much in this stuff. Uh, I do appreciate that when he chose to write, it was, you know, topical and right. things like that. Uh, I... I would it's assume tough that when you haven't the heard the, the stuff that he did. You know? Yeah, I would assume that some of the traditionals that he wrote, he arranged some stuff for. Correct. Giving him the most benefit of the doubt, though, I have a hard time going any higher than like a five. And I really think we should go yeah. a little lower. I think we should too. How about I, like in the four range? I think like a like four, lower fours. Like a four, like a four one, maybe four three at the highest. Four one is fine. Yeah. I think that's fair. And again, I don't know with the poetic talent. He wrote the lyrics, and it was apparently, based on all the reviews that we read, like very topical, like political, like he was actually mm-hmm. trying to, to have a voice about stuff. I just don't know how well he wrote about it. I mean, the critics think very well. Yeah. I'll but give, nothing on our... He didn't write a single word on the three albums we listened to. I'll give him the credit for that. And the fact of the matter is, there's you you yourself and the critics and stuff said that there's basically three albums where he wrote lyrics something like that yeah roughly out of 17 sure which leaves 14 albums where he didn't write a single lyric so regardless of the quality of those three we cannot go higher than like a two i agree and two is what i already typed in yeah okay x factor i don't think so i okay i mean I was going to say there are two. One, it could be the his high placement on those lists, but that was pretty much his his cultural impact that we gave him. And the other is being featured on so many famous recordings from other artists, which was also cultural impact that we gave him, I, think, I guess. I think that was how so. we gave him cultural impact, and I think we gave him a lot of the benefit of the doubt of instrumental talent. Yeah. That we I just, that's fair. frankly, didn't hear. Yep. You're so. right. So let's finish things up with the chicks. So... This next group that we're covering, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room here. Um, they were formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Yes, and then they changed their name and to the Chicks. And then they changed their name to the Chicks. Um, no, I'm not. No, we don't need to do this. Yeah. Nope, nope. Just you keep you keep talking about it, Pat. <laughs> so um, I'll just say Dixie. You've interceded. They changed their name from the Dixie Chicks to the Chicks because Dixie has a negative ton- connotation about people south of the Mason Dixon line. The the country the the country south of the Mason Dixon line, uh, they referred to themselves as Dixie Dixie culture. It was basically who could or couldn't own people. Uh, if you could own people, you were Dixie. And so Dixie Chicks were like, maybe that's not the greatest. Yeah, and it was really brave of them. They decided, because um, their their last album had come out in 2006, 
They changed it and right before releasing Gaslighter. They, they decided that, you know, in 2020, after all, all the events that happened, they were yeah. going to bravely change their name, not for any kind of monetary reasons, because they didn't release an album in 2020, did they? Yeah, it was. It, the timing was, here's what I'll say. You can choose to look at it two ways. We'll get in, and I'll get into the full blurb here. You can look at it two ways. Did they change their name because they recognized the problem and were planning to release music and didn't want to be problematic in 2020? Or did they change their name to gain popularity and publicity right before releasing an album to maybe boost sales? Yes. That's the positive outlook. That's the negative outlook. I will let you, the audience, judge based on your own opinions. I would assume it's probably one of those two or maybe somewhere in the middle. Now, going into the the chicks, the chicks, obviously previously known as the Dixie Chicks, are an American country music band who have been active since 1989, much longer than I thought, to be honest. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But uh, they had had multiple lineups uh, currently composed of Natalie Maines and then Marty McGuire and Emily Strayer. Uh, both originally named Irwin, uh, their sisters. Right, and original members. And original okay. members, yes. Natalie Maines was the one who was brought in. And we covered three albums. Uh, we did Thank Heavens for Dale Evans from 1990. Uh, we did Wide Open Spaces from 1998. And then we did the aforementioned Gaslighter from 2020. And uh, who wants to go first? Who hasn't gone first? Uh, Tyler has not gone first. Do you want to talk about Thank oh Heavens for Dale Evans? Um, I'd love to talk about that, but I can't because that album is not available on Apple Music. So I just did the most recent one that Apple Music had. <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's fine. Okay. See, and now I feel less bad about the Black Eyed Peas mishap. Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna mess it up anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and this was this was. <laughs> And so the one that I listened to was Wide Open Spaces came out. Oh, wait, hold on. That's the second second one. Stop. That's the second album. We're doing that one. (laughs) Well, how is that the second album? That's That's the the second album you listened to. Be quiet. That's the oldest album that Apple decides to have. That's fair. Okay. I'll talk real quick. Yeah, because they were a different group before that. So Thank Heavens for Dale Evans came out in 1990. But if you listened to Thank Heavens for Dale Evans, you'd think it came out in 1958. Uh that's the the most I can say. Uh, vocally sounded good. Didn't write. Didn't even pretend to write a single word or lick or anything. Complete country cover album. No, they wrote "Thank Heavens for Dale Evans" the title track. Well, okay. Fine. Did they not? I mean, they did. <laughs> they did. But they didn't write anything else. It's a fourteen-song album. Also, I am legitimately angry at them. For track 14, because they covered yeah. Bring It On Home to Me. And my God, did they take a song full of passion and soul and beautiful vocal and make it like a minute and 45 second long weird acapella thing. Sure. And I'm pissed at them for it. Understandable. Um, it is super country. It's not bad, but it's not great. <laughs> Um, it's pretty typical of like I'm not even kidding you like 50s country yeah. like 50s like female vocal group country like right if you told okay. me this was the if if this was like a slightly deeper experimental cordettes album I'd be like yeah no I get that yeah I get where you're coming from vocally 
I get where you're coming from vocally. Um, but this is less a country album, and I was expecting a full-blown country album. It's less a country album than it is a bluegrass album instrumentally. Yeah. Uh, it's bluegrass. The yeah. music is bluegrass, and by extension, from everything that we've mentioned about bluegrass on the podcast so far, hands down, the best instrumentation, the best musicianship on a record that we listened to this week. It was great, like, in terms of their playing. Mm-hmm. They're, they were, like, I didn't expect them to be really strong instrumentalists, guitar, fiddle, banjo. Like, I was yeah. pretty impressed by that. Like, I... they were really good. The song Brilliancy was, like, very Nickel Creek-esque. That was one of the traditional um, instru- uh, instrumentals that they did. Musicianship, yeah. very strong. Music- I don't okay. want to undersell it because you gave them, like, uh, a not-so-good review. So I want to – because I didn't necessarily love the record either. Mm-hmm. But the musicianship, like, I don't want to let it go. Like, they sure. were really You're strong. You're not wrong. The strongest record of the day. Strong musicianship for sure. Uh, I I just think that, you know, there's three pillars, as we've mentioned previously. Writing is one of the pillars. Musicianship is one of the pillars. And then vocals is one of the pillars. And I think they're decent vocals. Um, I think their vocals get stronger when they get the new lead singer mm-hmm. that we'll discuss. Um, and I think the instrumentation is good, and the fact that they didn't write means they're missing a pillar. So it's sure. an unstable structure. Sure. But uh, I truly enjoyed listening to them play. Let's let Tyler uh, talk about Wide Open Spaces. Okay. Uh, so Wide Open Spaces is uh, the country that I think is 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 more popular in, in this area yeah and, and as, this as is far the, as uh, the more known sound yeah as uh, yeah as far as like you know there is a um there's a huge country music following in the state of pennsylvania and i think the the genre of country music that's most popular in pennsylvania is this kind of um i think it, i think the the slang term that they use is is, is honky tonk Sure. Which I can't pretend to know the definition of. I'm I'm sorry for all of all of my <laughs> my deep my deep South ancestral roots in Tennessee and Alabama, where where my ancestors lived. But um, it is it, it, so. But, but it it it's the one that I think um, most people would recognize when you turn on the uh, country music station. Um, I think this is this is the sound that you most commonly associate with them when when anybody mentions them as country music artists it's very much in the same vein as um oh man i i prepped myself before we did this and now i'm forgetting everybody's name okay (laughs) um that's fine uh brad paisley brad paisley sure yeah um country you know country singers like that which is which is something it it's a genre of music that I have um, a, a, a very strange relationship with. I think I think it might be my my southern heritage that when I listen to it, I really like it and I really enjoy it. Okay. But when I'm not listening to it, I don't need to listen to it, <laughs> and sure. I, it's, you know, it's nothing. I, I do not have any kind of collections or whatnot playlists. Right. But it's but when it's on, it's yeah, on. Yeah, it's a I, it's a genre of music that I very much enjoy. Um, I don't know it how much of this is, is is covers or not but i think you know this is all of it yeah well not all of it most of it i but i feel like that's that's kind of like a common trend though with country music very often very often country music you know n- not to say that nobody who sings and performs country music can write 
their own songs. I would say they that do. this is a little late to be putting out this much cover stuff. It's well, it's not. Let me just clarify. There's a huge industry in Nashville of songwriters who write these songs for people who are already established artists yeah. and then make money off of the, you know, the profits that those songs make. Right. Many some of a few of these songs are covers. Many of them were just songs written by songwriters to be played by the chicks. A fitting clarification, Nicholas. Yes. Uh, I'll go next. I will be brief. If I just listened to this album, if if I just took this album, put it in my CD player at the time, because it was released in HDCD, and listened through it, and had no information about this album, this is probably the strongest album we listened to this week. It's really enjoyable. I said before, Natalie Maines is a much stronger singer, and they go with a little bit more of the lead singer, and then backing vocals and harmony, than they do a pure group vocal that they kind of did in the first album. Wait, how old were you in 98? I was six. You'd, you'd probably listen to it on a cassette tape. No, it was released in HDCD. It, it was released in HDCD, but you probably would have recorded it off the radio. Okay. At six okay. years old, I was doing none of it. No, you were not doing that. Okay. Um, Do you but, have anything else you want to say about it? Uh, but I, w- I want to then give the caveat. Sure. It takes a little bit away from me that they didn't really write this stuff. Their song that they did write on this, You Were Mine, completely forgettable to me. Like, it kind of blended in. It wasn't... It didn't stand out, um, but just listening from a, a musical standpoint, the best the vocals sound overall, I believe, uh, and I wish there was a little bit more of that similar prowess instrumentally, because I felt like there wasn't as strong of a backing instrumental here. Not that there can yep. be in the genre, because mm-hmm. you're not in bluegrass anymore, but right. you could find ways to really showcase yes. yourself. I agree. Uh that it's not nearly as strong instrumentally as the first record, but I still think, based on what we listened to on the records, it was the second strongest song instrument or album instrumentally that we heard this week. Yeah, uh, there were still plenty of good moments, and I really loved this album. I really enjoyed every song on it from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, I mean the title track I think is an absolutely fantastic song. Uh, yes, all credit also to Susan Gibson, the songwriter. On yeah, that one. also one of. One of maybe three or four chick songs that I know. I was going to say it was the only one that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, other well, than their cover of Landslide, which I don't count as knowing it as a chick song. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, it was the only one I knew. It's a great song. Um, yeah, I don't have, have too much else to say. You know, it. Uh, did we mention it went 13 times platinum? In no, the we did States? not yet mention that it sold yeah. incredibly. It was diamond. Incredibly well, because it's it's one of the last great country records. Wow. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, so far, there could be many more to come. Yeah. But I think it, it came out at a time just before things were like fully turning in that industry to pop country, which sure. is, you know, kind of universally derided as not particularly artistic. Now, I want to say a few things before I talk about Gaslighter. Uh, kind of in, in the context of what you guys were talking about before we started with mm-hmm. why did they change their name to the chicks? Was it all about money? Did they actually care? I'm going to be honest with you. I took a I'm a little bit on their side with this one because their last album was released in 2006 because this group was essentially destroyed by their fan base because they took a strong stance yes. against George W. Bush and the Iraq War even though their entire fan base was conservative. They're like this is wrong 
and were totally like they were extremely outspoken to the point where they completely alienated the, themselves from their fan base and they were to stand up some, for what they believed in they received many like still standing radio bands for that yeah like there's a lot of radio stations in like around the country who still mm-hmm. won't play chick songs because of their stance on the Iraq war exactly i'm with Which, you on that at this point like has has history not like borne out that they were correct. There are like seven people left who were who still thought the Iraq War was a good idea. It polls I, at like ten percent. So here's the thing: would that, <laughs> that would require anybody admitting they were wrong about anything. Yeah, I guess. Which is just not something that happens. No, but for those reasons, I felt like the change was maybe they just realized with the time, like okay, it's it's time to make a change because they don't seem like a group that sacrifices what they believe in Mm -hmm. for profit. They seem like they're willing to sacrifice the profit. And listen, I, I am a positive person at heart and I want to believe, I want to be with you fully. I think that there's a good chance you're correct. I just, I think as, you know, as the presenters of this podcast and this information to our fan base, presenting the information with potentials, And I and I totally there agree is, with that. I just wanted to make a strong case. Because there is always the potential. I felt like there was room for that. Yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm with you fully. Okay, here's the positive about this record: they co-wrote all the songs. Yes, they co-wrote all the songs with Jack Antonoff, who is like involved in producing and writing songs with everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it so it seems, as well as like his own indie pop band Bleachers, um, and you know. It's my least favorite of the three, or eh, maybe not. No, no, no. It's my. It's tied for second favorite because it's the least musically impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, of the th- like, they they get less and less um, willing to show off their chops as time goes by, I guess. But the vocals are still better than the first record. A lot of the songs are better than the songs on the first record, but there are some weak points. I didn't love them all. Um, but I'm glad that f- they came back with a voice on this record it seemed like they at least had a handful of ideas and messages that they wanted to bring out um so they they weren't going to just back away like if they're going to come back and actually write the songs they weren't going to fully just step around having a a belief or or a feeling about something which good for them so you know songs not as good um but i'm glad to hear that they're writing some stuff and not necessarily backing down from what they felt like was honest in the writing. Sure. Okay. Uh, I have uh, another quick thing about this one. Um, I liked this album for one reason. Musically, it was the weaker album, although vocally they still hold up really well. Yeah. Um, which is very uh, common with female singers. They mm-hmm. tend to maintain their voice much longer. Um, something that was really funny to me is during the writing of this album... Uh, Mains was going through a pretty messy divorce. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a prenup, obviously. Pretty much any celebrity who gets married has a prenup, so they're not ruining each other's financial careers and lives when they get divorced. Her husband was trying to invalidate the prenup, saying that she should owe him financial support. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, he was trying to sue her to find out if any of her unreleased writing material contained things derogatory to him in their marriage. Right. And was like, no, no, no. And her legal team was like, well, you can't have both. 
If the sure. prenup is invalidated, so is your confidentiality clause of the said prenup. Right, right. Um, and then they settled out of court and stuff like that. And then she revealed that Gaslighter was originally supposed to just be they're under contract with Sony. They need to release an album. They're just going to do a simple yeah. cover album. Right. And then she got divorced and went, you know what? I got something to say exactly. and wrote this entire album. And I respect the hell out of her for it. Mm-hmm. Just being like, you know what? Instead of doing our simple cover album, I'm inspired. I'm going to write. I went through a hard time. And it's good. It's good for two things. I'm happy I finally get to hear what the chicks are trying to say. I'm actually getting to hear their personalities. Do I think every song is great? No. Do I think there's some moments here where I'm enjoying getting to hear their message? Yes. And that's it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> it's it's pretty much what it is. Tyler, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I I think it is... The sound is almost a mix between dated and modern. Yeah. But... I kind of think that's to be expected when you have almost a 14-year... No, 14 years. 14-year gap between yes. between albums. Um, but it wasn't unfamiliar to the ear. You know, it's not like listening to it. You're just like, oh, my God, what are they doing now? Like, you know, oh, God, you're going to come back and have a totally different sound. No, the sound was there. Um, and I, 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 I think... It, it still kind of invokes that, again, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly or if I'm describing it correctly, that honky-tonk sound that they that they had in the 90s. I mean, sure, granted, there's some moments. Granted, on. granted this, one, this one definitely steers more to her because, you know, they're finally writing music about things that they want to write about and yeah. saying what they want to say. So obviously this one takes on a bit more of a serious tone at points mm-hmm. than, you know, their earlier albums, which were, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, their earlier albums were, were more in the traditional country fodder of kind of just like kicking back and enjoying. Right. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't think this is a, this is a detriment to, to your collection if you've been no, collecting them no. for a while. I think right. this is I think this is a solid comeback. We've had many artists that we've covered that didn't release a single album for fourteen or even longer than that who came back and released an album and you went, you should have stayed retired. We have we have indeed. <laughs> um before we grade them, I want to leave us sure. with a quick Robert Christkow quote about this album. Uh so he says that while these songs have a pro forma effect um, attributable to Anatov or Antonov. Antonov, yeah. Uh, Mains has never written with more righteous anger and sisterly concern, more humanity. So that's a pretty good sentence from Chris Gow. It uh, is. The insulting part is not about the chicks. Sure, right. And yeah. he goes to really compliment Mains's writing. And, you know, hey, I didn't hear too much Robert Costco today. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that was it. And let's let's grade let's grade the chicks. Okay. I think they are above average in cultural impact. They were pretty huge on the country scene yeah. for uh, you know, a decade. So a ton of records in that span. And I believe um, it was either two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine. Apologies for not getting these dates correctly, but they had a cameo appearance in a Futurama movie where okay. they played the radioactive conjoined molded version of themselves where they had all fused together and wow. 
Okay, impressive. Any musical act that is willing to take the piss out of themselves like that deserves yeah. all the praise. The the Fair face enough. you were making, Nick, was just like I, you didn't even know that existed, huh? Of course not. Yeah, that's fair. But um, anyway, I'm it's gonna, a solid number here. I'm going to throw out a number that I yeah. think kind of sums them up. A lot of sales, um, a, mm-hmm. a good period of success, follow right. like, but it, it's definitely the peak and outspoken and, and outspoken and stuff. I think yeah. the number did, I want to give them is a five point four. Why did you do air quotes for the word period? I didn't. I was doing a, a mountain because they're peaking and then going down. Oh. I don't know. I, I think it's higher than that. I'm going to be honest with you. That's because fine. Especially with their stuff about with how outspoken they were, how they kind of it was a huge deal that they here's the essentially here. alienated the, their full audience. But here's the but, thing. But still, they, to this day, in the in the Nielsen era, they're the female band that has sold the most records. So from 1991 to the present, no female band has sold more records than the than the chicks. And I think that's really good for their breadth of work. And I think that's really good for their maybe even an X factor. Maybe X factor. I think that I think that there, whether or not there was a cultural impactful moment when they were outspoken and stuff, unfortunately, it kind of worked because. Basically, from the radio ban and from their moment when the fans turned on them mm-hmm. until 2020, when they got kind of famous again when they changed their name, they really weren't around. So there's a huge okay, period yeah. in time when they were kind of right. washed and gone. Yeah, they weren't They weren't doing much. So like, just I'm, occasional. It's concerts. hard to kind of balance a 14-year disappearance. Sure. For, and, and their moments of fame. Like, I'd like to pull you up a little bit, though, from your 5.4 to a 5.6. And that's fine. Because my okay. original number was closer to six. A five point six, I can live with. But I mean, I okay. just trying to balance those two moments. Right. Okay. Eight studio albums. Uh, it just an album sales in the United States over thirty three million, not including singles or the millions right. that they've sold around the world. Uh, so very strong sales. Uh, and I two saw albums that went the diamond. strongest. Yeah, and I thought the strongest music of of the week. Yes, um, um, I would. I would give them a little bit of extra credit for the quality. Extra credit for the quality. Extra credit for the sales. Yeah, eight uh, albums to start. Uh, yeah. Probably the highest number, but not low too six is still much high. Low yeah. six is still, but like a six four instead of a six two or something like that. Yeah, I'm okay giving them a six four. Yeah, that's that's all I want. Uh, and I think that they might have a good argument for the best instrumental talent of the week too. They well, that's not a huge. Uh, a huge I'm I, I, like it's not tough competition no but I think if you were asking me just on their first album on the level of playing that was going on I'd be in the eights yeah um, and I'm not there and I'm not necessarily there either because it was it was definitely diminishing returns with each album yes but they showed that they can really absolutely rip on their instruments and there are still really good moments throughout mm-hmm. the middle of their discography it was definitely less in Gaslighter but the vocals were strong in its place. Yes. Natalie Maines definitely is an above average singer. Uh, I think so, that I'd be comfortable around a seven and a half. Sure. That's kind of where I, where that I was, was feeling. higher than I was expecting. But yeah, uh, Well, because I, I do agree. There was a lot of moments and a lot of instrumentation. And I think that like, their vocals got stronger when they yeah. got Natalie Maines in. Yeah. And so I and think just they underrated were wide range. instrumentalists. Yeah. Okay. Although, mm, hold on now, because here's. <sighs> I want to just say I might be leaning a little lower because as I just thought of that, I realized that after the first album, they had a lot of other people playing instruments, a lot of them that weren't members of the band. Like, look, uh, looking at Wide Open Spaces, yeah. there's a lot of other instrumentation going sure. on. And then looking That's at That's true, Gaslighter, but the first three albums are all bluegrass 
uh, yeah. albums that are all super, you know, killer instrumentals too. Seven point four. So, seven point yeah, four. That's, that's fine. I, I don't mind lowering it. It was a yeah. high number, but I just wanted to to give the other side songwriting talent. Look, they were writing like one or two songs per album. The last one they finally wrote all of them. Other than that, you know, they were uh, on the album before that. They were involved on writing every song as well. So there are two records where they wrote all the songs or co-wrote all the songs. Mostly before that, though, it was covers. So yeah, I'd be willing to give about two records worth of credit here. I'd be willing to give around two points. Hmm, two points. That's rough. I th- I might be uh, slightly under is fine. Slightly too, under. But... I could go like a one. I, I would say like a one six. So maybe like a one seven. Yeah. I again, I was just trying to say like whatever around the average would be for about two albums is where I would would have fallen yeah. for that. And I'm not really that far off for poetic talent if they're writing the lyrics on those two albums worth of songs as well. Sure. Um, and I I could understand being right around that same spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's where I would. Go. Yeah. Now X Factor. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff here. It exists. Um, yeah. You mentioned some. You mentioned a really important several one. things. Yeah. Uh, I think there's quite a bit to to kind of add some points there. I think they're very outspoken, divisive comments to to basically sideline their entire career to say what they want yeah, to say. A hundred percent. That was a huge deal at the time. That's kind of like a happened. nexus event for them. I think there's a I little agree. bit of points there. I, I think agree. being the highest selling female artist of the Nielsen era. Nielsen era. And is, actually also the best selling country group. Not okay. artist, but group of the Nielsen era. So ninety one to the present, they are the best selling in the US yeah. uh, as a female band and best selling as a country group. I, I think my number that I want to give here, I'm thinking, is a two. Sure. I think a point for each of those things. And I have scores then. Let's do it. And coming in last this week. You loser. Uh, is Ry Cooter. Wow. With a 19.6. I'll tell you, man. If you told me that somebody ranked that high was going to score last in this episode... I would have, yeah. I would have not believed you because I would have, you know, shocked a little bit. I know, but winning the episode. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. With an overall score of twenty four point eight. Okay, not a super high score. No, but it is the chicks. Okay, <laughs> it was Ooh. the chicks. Don't worry. I I started to say Black Eyed Peas just to mess with Pat, but you guys can't see that. I I um, was a little concerned. I I mean, yeah. I Black Eyed Peas have, had a twenty one point eight. They lost by three points. I wouldn't have been shocked if the Black Eyed Peas won. They had a lot going for them. For the, the, the chicks, they had sales going for them. They had well, they had sales <laughs> going for them, and I think more popularity. So. Sure. They did better right. at both I mean, of those they didn't categories. have music going for them. No. And <laughs> they didn't have enjoyable product. But at the same time, <laughs> the chicks definitely kept it close because they didn't write. Correct. If the chicks wrote, it would have been a much easier yeah. victory for them. So it definitely... Or if Ry Cooter wrote, he might have even, you know, yeah. got like four or five points here and there. Could have, could have made all the difference. Yeah. It's tough. Tough, tough, tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, that's uh, that's the episode. We did it. Um, we. We got through it. It was an interesting one. Um, it was. Nick, why don't you tell us who we're listening to next week? I would love to. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you any of the artists specifically right now because you'll go and you'll find out. But we're going to call this this episode next week the Battle of the Birds. Uh, and it is related to the artist that won season two. Yep. And that's all I got for you. All that is accurate. Um, but 
you can go right now and listen to the albums that we're going to be listening to for this week. That's right. In preparation for our next episode. So do that. Get get yourself on that train. Um, you go to lowtotemband.com slash totem talks and you'll see a button to click and view the list. So this is something that we're trying this year. Uh, we would really like some feedback on if anybody cares because it's, you know, if <laughs> nobody cares about listening to the albums along with us, if that's just something that, you know, you could do without, then we don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I true. believe I believe Pat is paying for a family Spotify account. So nope, on, on the website, you nope. can look up the nope. email and password nope, to nope. sign None in and utilize this. But we, we, really, do that. we really want the listeners only to listen to the albums that we're doing and not kind of, you know, do whatever they want with well, it. Well, since Anchor is owned by Spotify, I don't know if Spotify would like that. So that's definitely not happening. Not... I was going to say not Good a sponsor, point. but literally kind of a sponsor, kind even of. though they don't pay us anything. Correct. Then you, can own... always, then you can always um, direct message Pat, and he'll give you the sign-in information there. Or you can send him a you text message. You can cut message him off at any point. At, Here, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Music. Here's the thing. Well, I want to say something real quick. Here's the thing. You can DM me just so I know you're listening. That's true. You can DM me just so I know that somebody is listening to the podcast. Yeah, or send him Nick. or send him a direct text text message at none of that. Before cut him off. Cut him before off. we leave, I just want to say I know you guys know we record this in advance. Um, we had a really significant musical death this week that I wanted to just say a quick thing off. This is the week that we lost Meatloaf. That's right. Uh, a, like shocking, kind of. I mean. He was young. He's only in his seventies. Um, I mean, it wasn't pretty young. It wasn't. It wasn't that tracking. I look. It was upsetting. I really enjoy listening to Meatloaf. Uh, a lot of people. Everybody asks me to cover Meatloaf stuff. Living so. testament to the importance of vaccines. Yeah. Well, just wanted to rip. You know, give a quick uh, rest in peace to Meatloaf. Twenty twenty two has been a tough year for celebrities. It's shaping up to be the new 2016, which I'm not loving. Uh, but that was it. Just a quick little, you know, tribute to Meatloaf. And uh, if anybody else dies musically, we'll, we'll discuss them and say, hey, this person died. Do they have to die in a musical way? <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, but everybody uh, stay safe. Thanks for hanging out, Tyler. Forgot to say that. It's always a pleasure. And everybody else, have a great day. <laughs>